Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer, your host. As always, it's a delight to be talking travel with you all. And to help me in that endeavor, I have two of the most intrepid travel writers I know. And we'll, we'll explain why they're so intrepid in a moment. They are Diana Schwamm and Lavinia Spaulding, the authors of our guidebook just released, uh, Fromer's Easy Guide to New Orleans. Hey, Diana and Lavinia, thank you so much for appearing on the Fromer Travel Show. Hi, Pauline. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting time being in the travel guidebook business uh, because uh, all of our guidebooks had to come to an abrupt stop when the uh, pandemic hit. And then we restarted them. And unfortunately, because so much had changed, guidebooks were really hard in many instances to update. And then New Orleans was almost about to be turned in. And then your city got hit by a hurricane. It was the day before the hurricane that the the manuscript was due. So first of all, what was it like to update under these circumstances? Either of you can answer this question. Yeah, it was it was um, interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> I started calling it. I started calling the book the cone of uncertainty because <laughs> every week, every things changed weekly. Yeah, because of the pandemic, of course, you know, businesses would open and then close and then open again, and the hours were all topsy-turvy. They'd say, well, you know, next week we might start going, you know, six days a week or it just, no one knew anything. And I think that's the same everywhere all over the country. But, but then, yeah, the, the hurricane was definitely the, the one-two punch for us. Well, let's, let's talk about the hurricane a little bit. Diana, did it actually uh, affect New Orleans badly, or was the city largely spared? But did the then drop in tourism hurt the city? Well, all of the above to to, to different degrees, Pauline. The city was not the heart of the city was not directly hit to nearly the degree that um, some of the outlying areas of Louisiana were. So uh, that was good news for New Orleans and people coming to New Orleans. Of course, if your house was affected or your business was directly affected, that doesn't apply. And there certainly were those cases, uh, but they were certainly less so than anything that we saw. You know, it, it, people remember the Katrina images. It was nothing like that in the, in the heart of New Orleans. The one thing that has also left an impression because of both the pandemic and the hurricane on the city and has affected tourism to some degree has been the staffing, the issue with staffing. So this obviously is not an issue pertinent just to New Orleans. Many, sure. many places are feeling that. But, um, you know, like like every place, that remains a challenge. A lot of places are still getting back on their feet and rebuilding their staff, their capacity. And that'll take a while. So we're all um, certainly learning to flex our patients' muscles. But, um, you know, I will say New Orleans is so well known for its resilience and bouncing back that it's almost become a, a local joke. It's a bit of a trope, but it's actually really quite true. We're good at <laughs> bouncing back. Um, and that well, said, you know, we are definitely are still uh, bouncing back, but you wouldn't probably you're notice the, it. You're, you're the city that, that named a popular cocktail after the thing that bedevils right. you, the hurricane, right? right. So, yeah. 
<laughs> but we do continue to celebrate regardless of what the the difficulties are and you wouldn't really notice anything as a tourist you can come everything is looks great and feels great for the most part and it's it's a great time to come even with those difficulties hopefully fully behind us in terms of that evil virus well let me let me ask you i think that's an interesting point you're making that if you were to come you wouldn't notice much of a difference is that the case just for first-time visitors or for people who've been there many times? I ask because in New York, I write the guidebook to New York, you wouldn't know anything happened here. It, the city is just booming and tourism is booming. I mean, there's less business travel, so that's definitely affecting what's going on here. But for the most part, it does not feel like a pandemic happened here unless you had come here many times and you tried to go to your favorite restaurant and it was closed, or you tried to stay in the budget hotel that you loved, uh, that you stayed at in the past and it's gone too. Um, you know, what, what were we seeing in new Orleans uh, for both of you? So Diana first restaurants and then, uh, Lavinia hotels, what, what's gone and what's replaced it? Well, in, in terms of restaurants, we did lose a lot of good ones, but oh my goodness, we gained even more good ones. I think I can state categorically that if the end of the world comes, the New Orleans restaurant scene will still somehow survive. <laughs> I feel sure. People like to eat. Wow. Tourists and locals, you come to New Orleans to eat, and rightly so. So we did lose some wonderful classic restaurants. The most well-known is probably K. Paul's, Paul Prudhomme's oh, wow. signature spot. Um, he had passed away a few years ago, but the restaurant was still going on and, and the pandemic stopped that. Of course, if you don't know who he is, he is one of the forefathers of the modern New Orleans restaurant scene and cooking scene. He and Emeril pretty much put it on the map and they were both, you know, TV stars in the cooking, early cooking shows as well. We lost Upper Line, which is a well-known and very fine local restaurant known not just for its cuisine, but for the proprietor who won a beard, uh, James Beard Award herself. And uh, we lost quite a few mom and pops. Those are some of the big mm. names. Most of the yeah. online classic places have survived. And one good, good outcome was many of them, uh, many large and small restaurants took the time during the downtime to make updates to the decor, their kitchens, their menus. Um, oh. So that's a good outcome. I know that there's been problems with many restaurants around the United States with supply chain issues, with them having to streamline menus. Um, is that happening? And also, you said there are a lot of new restaurants. Are they bringing a new take to the food of New Orleans? Pauline, you asked the best questions. <laughs> okay, well, supply chain, um, I'm sure that is true to some degrees, yes. But one of the beautiful things about New Orleans is their restaurant scene and their cuisine is very largely based in local, locally available foods and raw materials, if you will, local seafood, um, you know, local produce really drives the cuisine there. So I haven't heard that much about it. They're really more mm. beholden to, um, you know, climate things, quite, frank, quite frankly, in terms of seafood supply and that sort of thing. But oh, even, wow. even that, um, you know, I, I have not found a lack of food availability, um, a little to the dismay of my diet. But um, <laughs> And in terms of trends, I think one of the interesting things that we're seeing is sort of this hybrid of some of the ethnic cuisines. 
from some of the local ethnic communities and even non-local ethnic communities kind of hybriding with New Orleans, um, the more indigenous and sort of local ingredients and flavor profiles. So like, for instance, there's a new restaurant I know, also a favorite of Lavinia's called Mr. Mao. And mm. they are bringing in kind of Southeast Asian or South Asian, I guess, influences and kind of Cambodian flavorings and merging those with New Orleans ingredients and flavors and, uh, wow. and, a, and a kick. If you like spicy food, it's and a little oh. bit of adventurous food is a great recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a Haitian restaurant in the Treme called Frite that is also sort of doing the same thing with Haitian food. And, you know, obviously, cool. if you know anything about Haiti, it has a long and not so illustrious relationship with New Orleans in terms of the slave trade, um, but also some wonderful hybrid cuisine coming out of there. So I'm, I'm loving that trend. Yeah, that's, you know, that Haitian, the Haiti's, um, history in a certain way is very close to what New Orleans was at one stage because you know it had a lot of French influence, obviously. Yes, most definitely yeah. still does. I, I definitely would recommend if you're coming for a few days, go to the traditional places, the classic places, the French based restaurants. And if you have time, expand your eating horizons to try some of these, you know, newer, less traditional spots. Yeah. Oh, they sound great. So, so Lavinia, in terms of, of hotels, a lot of disappearances, and what's happening with pricing? It seems there just was a study out from Price Waterhouse Cooper uh, that found that hotel rates are now, I think, something like nineteen percent higher than they were in twenty twenty one, but even higher than they were in twenty nineteen, which is the real shocker. That that uh, I guess it's you know it's another part of inflation. Can people still go to New Orleans and sleep affordably, or is it harder? Well, I think, you know, there are still deals to be had in the city. There are still many budget and, and um, I would say, moderate options. It just sort of depends where you want to be and how picky you are. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> if you don't mind staying, for example, in a hostel-style hotel, there are some great ones, uh-huh. some that are actually really nice, like the High Hotel and the Auberge, the Quisby. Um, they're, you know, mostly for a younger set, but all ages are welcome. And, and some of them When you are- say hostel style, are you talking about people sleeping in, in rooms with strangers or or some or something else? No, I well, sure, if, you know, you can, but also some of them have private rooms. Uh-huh. And there are, you know, there are some great hotels that are will not break your bank. Like I really love one called the Hotel Via Convento. It's right in the corridor. It has really fun history. Um, it belonged to the the Ursuline nuns and then it became a brothel. It's rumored to be the original <laughs> wow. House of the Rising Sun, in fact. And Jimmy Buffett wow. even lived there in room 305. And it's just super warm and friendly. And, you know, it starts around 125. That's not bad. It's wow. not, no. Uh, the Selena Catahoula, you know, these are some of the older ones that haven't gone away. Another super sweet hotel. It has a great rooftop bar. And, you know, they have rooms starting at like 110 or so during the midweek. And that's the real sure. thing. Like if you want to come on a Friday, Saturday night, and you want to stay, you know, near the quarter, yes, you're going to pay more. And and those 
those prices have increased. But right. definitely, if you come midweek, if you come off season, the spring and the fall are very expensive still. But sure. But yeah, there are some beautiful new hotels, actually. It was interesting. This was definitely, I think it's a lot like Diana was saying about a lot of business owners took the opportunity to remodel. Many mm -hmm. properties changed hands. And, wow. um, and so there was a lot of construction going on in the last couple years and um, a lot of remodeling, but a handful of just really top-notch um, new hotels, like there's a Virgin Hotel now that's just fantastic. It has a rooftop swimming pool and beautiful high design, but also very whimsical and fun. There's the St. Vincent, which is in a historic um, orphanage, and it's this sort of just sprawling. It looks like something you'd find in, in Europe. And, and then the Four Seasons, of course, which is in the former World Trade Center, and that has some really incredible food as well. Um, restaurants with uh, the, some famous chefs, Alan Shia and Donald Blink, both have restaurants there. So, Interesting. yeah, I think actually the hotel, it, you know, from my point of view, the hotel scene did not get hit the same way that like the, some of the shops and restaurants and um, even museums uh, had at wow. the time. Well, let's 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 turn to 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 uh, museums and beyond. Were did did any of them have to close? A few did. One because of the pandemic. One of my favorites was the House of Dance and Feathers, and actually, I'm not sure if if he if he died from COVID. Now I can't remember, but the owner died and they're trying to his widow is trying to reopen that right now uh -huh. the backstreet museum was completely destroyed in hurricane ida and um backstreet cultural museum and that is uh moving into a new location and still oh, good so it'll, it'll be coming back it will it will be coming back um eventually and I guess those are the only two that I can think of that closed. Sure. Uh, the Insectarium right. is closed right now, but but because it's moving into the aquarium in a really beautiful space. Huh. Oh, well, that's good. You know, more than just the pandemic happened in the last two years or three years now, gosh. And, you know, you go to New Orleans, one of the reasons you go is to explore the history of that incredible city. But how we approach history has changed in the last two years. Are you finding that the historic sites are taking into account a lot of the lessons that came to the forefront uh, because of the Black Lives Matter movement? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of change there. And it's, it's overdue. You know, New Orleans was the center of the domestic slave trade and um, it took a long time, I think, for the city to start telling those stories. And now it's happening. You know, I've, I, I think, you know, there are a lot of markers all over town. The street names are being changed. And really? Wow. Oh, oh, yeah. How are the street names being changed? Well, like Robert E. Lee Street just changed to oh. Ellen Toussaint Street, which is oh. awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And, uh, so a lot of, yeah, a lot of those streets, uh, Jefferson Davis 
highway changed to I can never Norman C. Francis. Thank you. This is why you're here with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that amazing that they had those names just until now? That's kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Especially for a, a, a city with such a large black population. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of change afoot. I've noticed a lot, particularly with the museums, I've noticed that that the stories of the enslaved people are beginning to be part of the narrative. And, um, and, you know, they were at a few, there were a few museums that were making efforts, but most of them are now. And that's really nice. So like the Herman Grima house, for instance, launched a new urban enslavement tour. And at the Beauregard, Beauregard Kai's house, I spoke with a woman who was working there and who had been hired just to do research into all of the enslaved people and free people of color who lived in and contributed to the building. So that was really neat. And then wow. there's a there's a brand new educational center that I'm super excited about that's just freshly opened called the TEP Center. And it's a really neat story. It, it stands for Tate, Etienne, and Prevost. And um, those are the last names of uh, what's called the McDonough Three. And the McDonough Three were three six-year-old Black girls who famously desegregated the McDonough School in the Lower Ninth Ward on the same day, you know, that Ruby Bridges desegregated her school across town. And one of those girls grew up and founded a nonprofit, and she bought that same school that they desegregated, which, by the way, had been vacant uh, since Katrina for like 14 years. And she's turned it into an interpretive center that's designed to educate the community about civil rights history, New Orleans-specific civil rights history, and just help visitors have honest conversations about racism. And it's, it's really cool. Wow. When does it open or has it already opened? Yeah, it's open. They've started giving tours. Wow. Just had their oh, that's a, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I got to try it on my next tour, my next visit to New Orleans. What about nightlife? You know, I keep, I keep referring to the New York city book because I just put that sucker to bed about <laughs> two weeks ago. No, no. Well, no, we're still, we're in layout now. So it was a little longer than that. But one of the hardest chapters to do was the nightlife chapter, partially because not only because a lot of places closed, a lot of new places reopened, that always happened to probably more than usual this time, but because the nature of nightlife seems to be shifting I think it's partially because it's really hard to speak to people nowadays. I think we lost that skill during the pandemic that a lot of people got so isolated that now when they go out, a lot of venues in New York are trying to help them uh, by doing a lot of programming that either forces people to interact. It's either trivia games or it's uh, geography games, other other types of interactive games that happen, or it's a lot of shows that you can just sit and watch. I think it also has to do with the fact that, you know, bars, part of their major raison d'etre since the beginning of time was to help people meet one another and maybe find a love connection. And everybody's doing that on apps now. You know, you don't go to a bar hoping to find the love of your life. So it's, it's all about programming, programming, programming in New York. 
You finding that in New Orleans or not so much? And what what's the nightlife scene like? Is it fully back? Well, I would. That's such an interesting thing that's happening in New York. I, I cannot say that the same is happening in New Orleans. Um, there are certainly, you know, trivia trivia nights at bars, and um, there's a big. There has been for a while um, a lot of drag shows. Those are popular in yeah. bars and at drag brunches are popular, but. I don't see much more in terms of that pro- kind of programming as a trend. Certainly, Well, I guess, I mean, New Orleans always had so much music as yes. part of the night. So you yeah, may have always had this type of programming. Well, yes, but it really, our nightlife scene really does revolve around music, music, drink, music, and drinking, drinking, drinking. Um, <laughs> that is what people come for. That is what they're known for. And that's a lot of still what going what goes on. And that has not changed. And I would say, yes, there's been turnover in the bars and the night and the nightclubs, some new ones, some have closed, but it's really back full on. It's it's going mm-hmm. strong. So I, one thing, though, I will say, Pauline, that that's kind of also not unique to New Orleans, but uh, certainly popular there. Those people are talkers. They're chatters. They're raconteurs. Yeah. They're uh-huh. storytellers. And Absolutely. it's a big part of the bar scene is still that old-fashioned chatting, talking, social life. And not just between locals, not just between, you know, my neighbor and me, it's tourists. You can sidle up to someone in a bar or a club and just strike up a conversation. Hey, you know, what part of the city are you from? Where should I eat? What should I do tomorrow? You know, I'm from so-and-so. And And you're off and running on a, you know, meeting your new best friend. It's kind of wonderful. Um, And if you are that kind of traveler who really likes to, you know, get to know the people of the place you're traveling to, that's still a wonderful part of the scene, whether whether you're in, you know, most, more bar than a club. More yeah. so. The clubs are really music and dancing. Interesting. Yeah, this hope- is a bit of a, a sidebar, but I was at a, a, a drag show in New York, and there was one woman or one performer who clearly was a woman. And I, I turned to, I don't know if either of you know Ed Salvato, really, really wonderful travel writer, travel marketer. He, I call him Mr. Gay Travel, and he calls himself <laughs> that because that's his specialty. And he was with me. And I turned to him and I said, there's no way that's a man. And he said, of course, that's not a man. <laughs> and I said, well, why is a woman in a drag show? And he said, it's now considered such an art form uh, that, that a lot of women who used to do pageants are now doing drag shows, that they, they prefer to be... I don't know, competing that way, getting dressed up, showing their skills in that context. Have you seen that in New Orleans too or uh-huh. or not yet? I have not, but maybe I just didn't notice. And I just <laughs> love the idea of the inclusivity. Who cares? I love it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lavinia, I cut you off. I think you were about to say oh, something. I was just going to agree with Diana and say also that, yeah, New Orleanians have not forgotten how to talk to each other. Um, <laughs> I don't know about New Yorkers, but we haven't forgotten how to talk to each other. And and that's just one of the, I don't know, I think that that's one of my favorite things is that we just love to gather and we're finally able to gather again. And it is It's just making everyone so happy. And I was going to add to the nightlife thing that one of the neat things is I think we have more outside entertainment now um, than we had before because uh, we started 
doing outside music. So there's a couple really neat new um, outdoor venues for that. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I, I forgot to say that, but yeah, I love that trend too. Well, and speaking of gathering, a Mardi Gras happened again. It, how how was that? How was uh, how was how was the festival season? What was it like to have that back? It was glorious. It was glorious. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say we needed it. You know, our city needed it, our economy needed it, and we needed it. It is it was just it was a beautiful thing. And um, wow. both Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest and and all the other ones are back too. I think there are like I don't even know how many festivals there are this weekend, like five, six. There's all there's all kinds of stuff happening. There's um I think Pride and what else is sure. Do they heart. feel different at all or do they does it feel the same? I, I think just kind of hearkening back to what Lavinia said, this year in particular, all of the festivals and a lot of the locals go to them regularly and it's a mix with the mix with the visitors sort of opportunity. A lot of the visitors, tourists come regularly year after year for their favorite festivals. This year in particular, it just feels like catharsis. It's just pure joy um, to mm. be back. These these festivals and Mardi Gras especially are such an ingrained part of the local culture that they're not just a party. They really are, uh, you know, they're just parts of our lives that are deeply embedded. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad it's back. And I'm so glad we have finally finished your damn book. <laughs> and that it's on sale and that it turned out so well. You know, we, we have the most beautiful review from a reader on Amazon who talks about the fact that, um, you usually get a guidebook and there are throwaway sections on the culture and on the history of a place. And that when you read the Firmer's New Orleans book, it's very clear uh, that the writers know the city deeply and have a really uh, interesting, well-rounded, a robust and rich take on that, that that's not a throwaway in your guide to New Orleans. And I think that 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 goes for the restaurant reviews, that goes for the hotel reviews. You both did such an amazing job of bringing the city to life in every aspect of the book. So thank you. Uh, and thank you for appearing on the Firmer Travel Show. Thank you, Pauline. It's always wonderful. Thank you, everyone who's listening. And thanks to whoever wrote that review. We work hard. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's such an honor. It's, it's a, it incredible. Really is. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. And I thank you all for listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. Watching cable.